Let us pray. Father, we do bless and honor you. We do ask, God, that you would take this broken vessel, God, and strengthen me in such a way, God, that I might be able to break the bread of life. I do pray, God, that you will soften the heart of your people and cause this word to fall on good ground. Father, I know that while my words might fail, your spirit is more than capable of doing the teaching. And so we do pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Ghost be released right now, that he might be able to teach where I might fail, that he might be able to have free course to change hearts, to strengthen, to convict, and to set free. It is in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So we are going to make our way to the book of Exodus, chapter 23. I had the privilege of seeing the message that Pastor Larry preached uh, last week, and so thought it was appropriate to follow the leader. It's an important thing. Um, We'll be at Exodus 23, and we will start at verse 23. Exodus 23, verse 23. It says, when my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Parasites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, And I blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do. But you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless you and your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against against whom you shall come. And I will make your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out before you in one year. I will not drive them out before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Verse 30, if you got a pen or a digital way to highlight Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness of the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. This is the word of the Lord. 
So, as I noticed last week as we were acknowledging Juneteenth, Pastor preached about freedom and walking to freedom. And as I petitioned the Lord for what word to share with you this morning, staying in that space of freedom, what do you do with freedom? How do you walk into that space of freedom? The Lord reminded me of this passage from Exodus 23. But before we get to Exodus 23, between what you heard last week from the man of God and this week, there is quite a few chapters in between. And so I just want to give you a short little snippet about what's happening in between. In between, we have the law of the Lord being given. And so there's all kinds of rules being shared with Israel as to how they should function socially once they get into the promised land or even while they are still wandering. God lays out very specific ways of engagement or rules of engagement. And it's a funny thing to me in the space and time that we are in, how some of us under the umbrella of Christianity waver on certain topics. One of which you keep finding over and over again throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelations is God's heart towards the poor. Second one is God's heart towards the widow and the fatherless. And third, and this is a little controversial, so I understand if I don't get invited back, but God's heart towards immigrants. God's heart towards the sojourner. Over and over and over again, you have these admonitions from the Lord that you must make sure that you do not oppress the poor. You must make sure that you look out for the fatherless. You must make sure that to the one that has no husband, you are a husband to them. And you must make sure that the sojourner in particular is not mistreated. And he gives them a major why. He says, because you were one. Make sure that you never get so comfortable in your new space that you forget from whence you've come. If I stop right there, I have done my job. Make sure that you do not forget from whence you've come. If the Lord delivers you, don't act like you didn't need deliverance. If the Lord brought you out from underneath your oppressor, you best not become an oppressor to somebody else. Jesus brought this up when he said, how dare you having received mercy not give it. You are the more wicked servant. And so there are all of these admonitions, these cautions that are happening in Exodus right before we get to today's text. And then immediately before the passage that I just read, there is a commandment for something that we don't often think as a commandment. It is the command to celebrate. The command to celebrate. Now, in no way do I mean to not sound reverential of the Lord. I do honor God. 
But you also have a God who is the Lord of the celebration. He is the Lord of the party. We celebrate because he said so. He said, I've given you reason, Israel, to celebrate. And so I expect you three times a year to come before me in celebration, hands raised, declaring my goodness because I have been good to you. Make sure that you remind yourself how I brought you out. Make sure you don't let the generations forget when I cause water to stand up like walls and cause you to walk across a sea on dry ground. Don't forget what I did for you, children. Remind your children's children how the Lord made a way for you. Truly out of no way. But people are people. And as you know, folks got discontent. And they began to murmur and to complain. And yet the word of the Lord remains the same. And so God texts on right after this command to celebrate. He begins to tell them about going into the promised land. And we have all of the ites. And forgive me if I jacked up pronouncing any of them. I do not claim to be a Hebrew scholar. So the Jebusites and the other ites that are referenced, the first thing that God tells them says, my angel will go before you. My angel will go before you. I want you to think about this. Anyone ever seen a president, current, former, or any, any point in your life, some governmental leader, Go to any destination. So I know that's really generic. But have you ever seen a president? Let's start with that. All right. And I'm using the president. You'll find out why. When they go somewhere, they can't just go, right? President Obama got in trouble for that because he went to go get some ice cream or a burger or something. Typically, if a world leader is about to go somewhere, There is a team, you better catch this, there is a team that goes first. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's there. The team that goes first prepares and they check out the surroundings. They make sure that any of the possible threats that would be in this area are put out of the area so that when the person that is to arrive does arrive, they don't have to concern themselves in an unnecessary fight. If we have that for world leaders who we elect, how much more would God send his angel to prepare the way for the people of God that are carrying his spirit when he shows up? And so God tells them, I will send my angel ahead of you. My angel is actually the one that's going to deal with your enemies. You just have to be faithful to listen. You just have to be faithful to be present. When he says move, you move. When he says step, you step. When he says go, you go. This is the relationship between who God sends 
and our job when we follow. He says, I will send my angel before you. For those that may be wondering if Fred is jumping a little too far in his connector, the New Testament reminds us that angels are ministering spirits for those that believe. Angels are serving spirits for those that believe, for us, for God's kids. And so I want you to have a point of encouragement this morning to know that you, if you have the spirit of God in you, you can't show up anywhere and God hasn't already sent the angel ahead of you. It's against God's nature. It would be inappropriate. It would be against protocol and order for God to let the one carrying his spirit not be properly uh, escorted by an angel. Preparing and making the way. You don't ever show up in a place and it hasn't already been scoped out from heaven. That's good news. That is good news. And it should then trigger you to have a special kind of confidence, not an arrogance, but a confidence, because we're talking about walking into freedom, right? And so when we walk into our freedom, we have the humility to remember that we needed the deliverance. But we have the confidence to know that it, he that delivered me is going to make a way in this new place too. And so the angel goes before them. And the angel deals with the ites. And I don't know what the ites are in your life. Or what you would put in front of the ite, Right? But I do want you to keep in mind that you don't show up in a place on your own. And then he tells them to make sure that as you go into this new place, you don't serve their gods. Be careful not to serve their gods. And if you skip to the end of the passage that I read, he tells them why. He says, you will sin, the, they will make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. But that seems a little difficult sometimes in our American context. To think through like, well, yeah, I'm definitely not bowing to, you know, any statues or anything, right? I haven't made my... Uh, you know, offering or anything to any God other than Jesus. But I want to challenge you. If you had to think about how you spend your time, what would your schedule say that you worship? If we had to whip out that checkbook and look at where your money goes, what would your checkbook say that you worship? Well, let's go a little bit deeper. If there was a way to record an audio version of how you think in a 24-hour period, I know, and I'm out too. So just so you know, I am not from a, per a place of having been perfected. I'm being perfected. But if you had to give an account for your thoughts just in one 24-hour period, I'm pretty sure an idol or two done crept in there somewhere. 
something or someone got your affection and their name is not Jesus. I don't say that so that you have your head hung low. I say that so that you have a fresh awareness that you need Jesus right now. One of the hardest things for us in the U.S., in this Western space, is to try to remind people that they need a savior. A lot of folks have tacked on to Christianity because it seems like a decent enough thing to do, right? I'll be a Christian. Why? Uh, Other people are and folks in my family, and I don't really feel like learning any other system. (laughs) Serious. Because I am walking with people and I am in relationship with folks that have been at it for 40, 50, 60 years, and they are just having their moment of salvation after having been in church for three decades. Make no assumption that this thing comes by the Spirit of God and a hunger and a real live need. He says he'll send his angel ahead of you. He says, make sure that you aren't worshiping any other God because it'll be a snare to you. And so you don't want Wall Street to become your snare. You don't want trying to get yours, trying to have what you believe. As they mentioned, I'm so grateful to hear that there's help for folks that are struggling with social media. Because that is now one of these fresh temptations where you are bombarded with all these images of what your life should be. And they position it in such a way that if you don't have it, they make you try to feel like you should try to get it. It is wild. I'll try not to get too distracted, but I was just on vacation two weeks ago and we couldn't go anywhere in this island without somebody cooped up against some rock or some pillar or something trying to get an Instagram photo. What in the world? Like, it is a rock. We saw it and you're in front of it. It is not that serious and I'm not jealous, right? (laughs) We are all here together. I say it in just but know this, that the enemy is definitely at work trying to make sure that our hunger is never satisfied because that can't do it. But now we get to my favorite part. Second favorite. Because this passage was a passage that came to me in my, God brought my attention to it in my 20s, early 20s. And it shifted something in me. Because I, 20, 18, well, actually most of my life, had a best friend named Poverty. And Poverty had shackles around both ankles and both arms. And so in my early 20s, I found myself desperate almost. Now, I was a believer, but desperate to try to get mine, right? I wanted out of this hole. I wanted to not fear the PGW truck when it drove down my block, wondering if they were going to dig my street up today. When you are in this place, and this is one of the reasons why God wants us to be careful how we treat the poor, they're in a vulnerable space. And so I fell prey for a little while to the prosperity movement. 
I got in my name it and claim it. Oh, I went. <laughs> now, we, if I tell you what I'm about to tell you, and I'm going to tell you, it officially makes us family. Now, my church knows that I'm good and crazy, but they don't know this particular story. This is special for you at <laughs> New Life. I'll have to tell them next week, though, because everything's online now. We don't have no private moments. <laughs> Nothing private. What? COVID? Ugh. But anyhow, in the midst of all this naming and claiming it, now I will say this. There is some goodness in having faith towards God bringing you to a better space. It cannot be the thing then that you worship. And so I had gotten a little twisted up, you know, <laughs> you got to be careful, but thank God for the Holy Ghost. So I would go on these walks, me and Jesus in Center City, and I was just naming and claiming stuff like the Lord, you know, if you have ever experienced anything out of that movement, the Lord give you everything, right? And so he was giving me the city, and so I'm walking through in the name of Jesus. <laughs> There's probably me on a security cam somewhere, laying hands on Liberty Place, yes, God, <laughs> And that's the truth. I was embarrassed, but I did it <laughs> because I really wanted to be free. I ain't kidding, right? Like, I had a full-time job, and I still was really struggling. So if by any means, right, I was trying to walk it out. <laughs> Thank God that he protects babies and fools, right? But I came across this text in that season of my life. Because the Holy Ghost did tell me some big things. And some of it I had not made up. It really was God. What I didn't understand was the nature of how some of God's promises are delivered. You see, you have some big moments where the Red Sea is going to part and your deliverance is popping off and it's like that. And God is slaying your enemies and you are like, nobody's like my God. And then you have some promises that you wonder if you made it up. Did God change his mind? Maybe I don't even really know if I believe, period. Because I had put everything on this particular promise and I had started to try to shape my life in such a way that I could walk in it, but I'm not seeing it, God. And I don't want to be like some that I see where I start making up stuff trying to make your promise true when I am sure that I've not seen it yet. And that's when this text applies. Because he told Israel something big. He told them he was going to give them a land flowing with milk and honey and that he would be their God in the land. And he then tells them in this passage, it's not going to happen at once. Oh, this is good. This is good news for somebody that is waiting on a promise and you are wondering where it's going. God is telling you this morning, here's how I do some of the big things, little by little. Little by little. Make sure that you don't lose heart in the process because I am doing what I said. I'm faithful to do what I said, but I need to make sure. Now, are you with me, church? He says, I need to make sure that the land that I give you, you are able to maintain and to hold on to it. If I give you everything that I promised you right now, it will consume you. 
So what I'm going to do is have you take one step, then the angel's going to deal with that ite, and then you need to grow up and expand into what I gave you that day. Once you have, then I'm going to take the next ike. The angel will do the same thing. I will send my terror and my hornets and they will deal with that so that now you can grow into part two. He keeps doing this with the people of God. And so I wonder this morning if you can get a little bit of hope stirred up in you. That he is faithful to his promise to you. He is a God that wants you to be able to hold on to what he's given you. He wants you to grow up into what it is that he's giving you. He's applying, implying in this text that you have a responsibility. He's going to take care of making sure you get what he promised. But you need to make sure that you are partnering with him to grow up. I, in my early 20s, was wanting so desperately for God to just give me a lump sum, but that lump sum would have took me out. (laughs) If God had given me Liberty Place, I would have did the wrong thing with it. (laughs) Now that I have crossed over one hill in my age, I can say that as a matter of fact. As confident as I wished I had been, or... Yeah, wise, it was not there. And so what we find is that God is faithful, but he will take you step by step. Now, I haven't been pastoring my whole life. I spent most of my adult career in corporate America for the cable company, the, because it used to be more than one, but there's only one now, Comcast. When I received this word, right, God's going to give you the city. Don't know what that, didn't know what that meant. But I believed. And so God, through my career, did just that. What I'm explaining to you is how I have seen him actually move. So if anyone from or is familiar with West Philly, there was a cable company called Wade Cable. Anybody heard of it? Well, I was Wade's HR manager for a good eight years or so. Miserable as I don't know what, but trying to believe God in these promises. So here's a real short story of what happened. As this word began to work in my heart, I also had to realize that part of growing up in God was to stop being so stingy with the stuff that I knew, be willing to teach other people and give all that I had so that my hands were free enough to receive from God. As I did that, God then gave me my next step. And so my company gets bought. I assume that I'm going to lose my job and kind of want it to. I heard the severance package was sweet, so I wanted it, right? You know, Mr. Lump Sum, let me out now. Of course, God laughed. And within a year or so, they asked me to take on another section of the city. I had West Philly. They asked me to take on, what was it, Wayne Avenue. And then another eight, nine months, they asked me to take on a third and then a fourth. And then I had the city, but it wasn't what I had pictured when God said you have the city, but I had the city. And so as I grew up into this thing, God let me walk in it. Well, then I had put a stopper on God, right? Because that's all that I had believed for. But what God didn't tell me because my brain wouldn't have been able to handle is he actually sought to make me the regional for three states. 
But I couldn't see any of that, and that couldn't be what I was chasing after. I had to have a focus on him. And so I encourage you this morning, not with just practical stuff, but there's a greater thing that all of us are being grown into step by step. If you have your Bible or you want to just jot it down, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It is probably familiar to some. Verses 12 through 18. You see, as we are in Exodus and we are thinking about the people of God and the fact that they want to get to the promised land, they want to walk in all these things that God has said that he will give to them little by little. Scripture reminds us that the real promise they did not receive. Hebrews tells us very, very clearly, right? It says that if Joshua had given them the rest, then they wouldn't speak of another rest. But there still remains a rest for the people of God. And so then when we come to this text in Corinthians, we also hear the apostle say and share with us that Moses, when he left the mountain, would cover his face with a veil because the glory was too much for them to behold. And that was the old system. He says, but there still remains a veil over people's faces so that they can't perceive and understand the truth. To this day. Unless they believe Jesus. Unless they believe Jesus. You see, God said that he would send his angel ahead of you. He said that he would send his messenger. Hebrews reminds us that Jesus has already been sent. And it says that you must make sure that you pay attention to obey everything that the son says. Because if it counted when an angel said it, how much more if the Lord himself has told you a thing? And we see that the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, I'm a little sad because that really should blow the roof off. Yet we cannot perceive it. Are you free this morning? Are you free? How shackled is your heart this morning? You see, I know some of you are wrestling right now. I see you fighting to try to not lose this word. But there's so many things, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, pulling at you right now as the word is going out. Because the enemy wants to make sure that you don't get free. 
But the real freedom through all that we see in the Old Testament, they never walked in it until we get Jesus. Until his death, burial, and his resurrection and the Holy Spirit is poured out, there is not true freedom. Each one of us should be provoking one another in love towards Christ to realize that there's more that you can walk in. There is a peace and a freedom that you can have that truly causes you to be unaffected by whatever the enemy throws. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt because the cross hurt the Lord. His pain and his blood was very real. But his destination to be with the father was never up for discussion. So he had a great confidence no matter what he was facing in this life, no matter what carrying our sin did to him. He had a perfect peace that he knew he was loved by the father. And that's the same thing that we are supposed to walk in. Do you know that God the Father loves you just like he loves Jesus? Not secondary, not third place or fourth or millionth. Jesus only got on the cross because you were loved the same way. God loves you like he loves himself. And so he says this, and I'm at my close. He says, if you can just behold me and look at me, if you can just look to Jesus, he says that there's a glory that you'll see. But as you look at me, that glory begins to reflect off of me. On to the believer. And so then the believer begins to reflect the glory of God just from looking at God. And he says that he will do this. So remember I mentioned the little by little. He says, I'll take you from glory to glory. He says that today you have one glory, but Lord being our helper tomorrow, you're going to look a little bit more like Jesus. So as you go out this week, I just want you to keep challenging one another. You look a little bit more like Jesus. Encourage somebody else. I am seeing just a little bit more Jesus on you today. Because the Lord is faithful that if I keep my eyes on him, this true freedom that I am called to walk in, he wants me to have it. He desires that we would be without shackle. He desires that we might actually say what his word is and then stand firm to watch him bring it to pass. He loves you. He has already given everything that heaven had in Jesus. Be encouraged, new life, with your ups and your downs. Come what may, and honestly, come who may. You need to keep your eye on Jesus because I promise you that God is faithful. And if you keep looking at him, you're going to keep looking more and more like Jesus. And they ain't going to be able to shut off the light that is going to illuminate out of this building. I already feel a hunger in here for more of him. 
And I know when we are hungry for him, he said, they that hunger and thirst shall be filled. Let us pray. Father, we bless you and we honor you, God. We declare that there is none like you in all the earth. And Father, I ask that you would strengthen my brothers and sisters here at New Life. Cause them, God, to know that if they can just look at you, if we can just keep our focus on you, God, help all of us, including me, the preacher. God, help us to walk in greater freedom. Help us, God, to have confidence that our deliverance is in process. Our sanctification is in process, that you are taking us step by step. And I hear you, God, whispering in my ear that, yes, you are the one that began it. And so you are faithful to complete it. We trust you this morning. It is in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.